Good morning, everybody. I am grateful for the time that we get today, and I'm especially excited that we get to jump into God's Word together. And I want to offer a special thanks to Pastor Janet for her time with us last week and her teaching with us and preaching on the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue to explore the Holy Spirit together this morning. So as we get ready to do that, let's share in a word of prayer together. Almighty God, this day may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is a lot of great stuff for us to get to in God's word today, so we are gonna jump straight in. If you've been with us these last number of weeks, again, you will remember that we have been studying and exploring God's Holy Spirit among us. And specifically today, we're gonna to start to dive more deeply into the power of the Holy Spirit and seeking to understand what that power is all about. We are told in scripture that Jesus says that his disciples will do even greater things than him. Now, Jesus raised individuals from the dead Jesus himself was raised from the dead. Jesus offered healing, physical healings, in people's lives. Now, I can say that to us, and we can think about it, but it's one thing to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in abstract terms. It is another thing to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit manifested in ways such as physical healings, such as rising from the dead, in ways that are beyond our comprehension. My guess is that for many of us, if we were to talk one-on-one, -on -one, we would say something like this. We assume that the Holy Spirit can do amazing things, that the Holy Spirit can possibly offer healings, but that we do not really expect that the Holy Spirit will offer healings or do amazing things in power beyond our comprehension. And why is that the case for us? Why is it easy for us to talk about things that maybe the Holy Spirit could do, but not then really expecting that they will happen? Here's what I think the deal is for many of us. For many of us, the Holy Spirit remains an abstract reality because we don't have firsthand experience with Holy Spirit power. I know that for many of us, a lot of us don't know a lot of people who have been raised from the dead. We may not feel like we know a lot of people who have been healed directly from disease or in miraculous ways. So when those things are not part of our normal reality, it's hard for us to grasp the full power of the Holy Spirit. So today what I wanna ask us to think about throughout our entire time together is this question. What would a full expression of the power of the Holy Spirit look like in our midst? I want to ask us to begin to dive into that question together. I think this question is crucial for God's church today. And I realize the answer may be different for different individuals. That's okay. But I want to ask you to think, what would this look like? What would this full expression of Holy Spirit power look like among us to be manifested among us in powerful, significant ways? And I wanna be really careful here today. Today, my goal is not to get into a debate about healings and physical things happening that are beyond our comprehension and why they happen in some instances and not in others. Uh, that's not my goal today. I don't want us to get into a debate or to go down a rabbit hole. Uh, maybe that's another sermon series for another time. 
Instead, I wanna ask us to focus on what I think is an even bigger issue, one that has to come even before a debate on healings and if they happen, and it's this. It relates to what is our perception of just how powerful is the Holy Spirit. I wanna ask us to consider what is it that the Holy Spirit can do in us and through us. Here's what we know. The Holy Spirit, because it is part of the triune God of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that means the Holy Spirit is all-powerful because God is all-powerful. That is truth. But is that our perception of the Holy Spirit? Do we perceive the Holy Spirit to be all-powerful? And what difference could it make in our lives for our perception of the Holy Spirit to change? What impact could that make in our lives as individuals and in our life as the church as a whole? And again, what would a full expression of the power of the Holy Spirit look like in our midst? Now, those are some big questions. And to help us answer those questions today, I wanna to invite us to take a look in the scene in the Gospel of John. Today, we are in John chapter 16. Jesus is meeting with his disciples for the very last time. Jesus knows this is it. He knows that the next day he is going to die. And as we have mentioned before, when you are about to die and you know that you're about to die, you don't make small talk with the ones that you are closest with. You talk and you share only on what is absolutely essential, only on what is most important. So notice in these last moments of the life of Jesus, when he's with these people that he cares deeply about, He's not talking with them about his favorite dishes that Mary made for him when he was growing up. There's no conversation like that. We don't hear Jesus talking and lamenting about him that saying he could have been the best football player at the time when he was growing up. We don't hear Jesus reflecting on any past crushes that never turned out as he was growing up. We don't hear anything like that. What we do here, though, is talk and description of the Holy Spirit, particularly in John chapter 14 and now today in John chapter 16. And because Jesus talks so much about the Holy Spirit at the end, when time is of the essence, it has to be incredibly important. Why do you think that's the case? Well, I think today's scripture passage gives us some clues on why the Holy Spirit is so significant. If we were to back up just a little bit today from what we've already begun to study, we hear these words in John chapter 16, verses seven to nine, and listen with me and share with me in these words. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. This is Jesus speaking. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me. So here, John chapter 16, verse seven, it says that Jesus tells us it's actually good he's going away. Think about that. Jesus is saying it's actually good that he's about to die. Now, that's rather crazy when you stop and think about it. Wouldn't it make more sense for Jesus to stay, to continue to lead the movement, to be physically present with his followers? I mean, what's going on here? Is, is Jesus suffering from some delirious nature because of the heavy grief upon his heart knowing he's going to die the next day? Or is this accurate? 
Jesus here is saying that without the Holy Spirit, this one called the advocate, and remember that term advocate means a whole bunch of things. It means legal counselor, defender, guider, comforter. It means all these things. Jesus is saying we will never fully grasp the power of the advocate or grasp all that God is trying to tell us or ever realize the full power of God unless Jesus himself goes away or in this case, dies. Have you ever heard somebody say something to this effect? You know, if only I could see Jesus with my own eyes, if only I could have seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, if only I could have seen Jesus touch somebody and actually heal them, if I could have seen him with my own eyes or heard him preach with my own ears, then I could believe. I've heard that a number of times. I've even had that thought myself in my own life to think, man, Lord, it would have been so much easier if I could have just seen you do these things. But I want us to understand this is wrong and deceptive thinking on our part. It would not be better for you and I to have actually seen Jesus directly and expect then that we would be strong believers and followers. We're actually just fooling ourselves with this line of thinking. How do I know this? Because the disciples who had been with Jesus himself for three years, they had seen him on a regular basis heal people and preach to people. They themselves had witnessed Jesus rising folks from the dead. And yet, before Pentecost, before the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, this group remained, after three years of seeing Jesus directly, they remained lost and fighting with one another and confused and scared individuals. They had seen it all. They had witnessed directly, and they still didn't get it. It would, not, it would take until the coming of the Holy Spirit upon them, within them, to change them. It would take the coming of the Holy Spirit to live within them in God's power, to experience God to the fullest degree, in order for them to then become these disciples who would change the world. And church, it is the same for you and for me. Until the Holy Spirit comes, touches, fills our hearts, we also will never experience the full power and intimacy of God that was intended for us. Think about it this way. If we could get in a time machine and go back and we could watch Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, if we could go back and watch Jesus himself rise from the dead, that would not be as transforming an experience as right now, today, receiving God's Holy Spirit. Think about that. The Holy Spirit then is better than any time machine we could get in and go back to witness Jesus himself. This is a phenomenal thought to me. The Holy Spirit allows us to experience God even more powerfully, even more intimately, than what it was like for those original disciples to walk with Jesus day in and day out and see him with their own eyes. Now, in some ways, this shouldn't surprise us. I mean, I realize that sounds shocking as we really try to let that sink in. 
but we're told in Scripture why and how we can live into this Holy Spirit power. So look with me, John chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Look carefully at what it says here. Jesus is doing the talking. And first he says that in reference to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. That term, that word for glorify is a significant one. We've talked about this a little bit in the past. This term for glory in the original language, it has a sense of importance, a sense of brilliance, a sense of significance attached to it. On the one hand, the word glory carries a sense of weightiness with it, a sense of gravitas. And again, we've talked about this word a little bit. It's this sense that the Holy Spirit will reveal the, the weightiness, the significance of Jesus in this world. There's almost a, a pressure pressing upon us. We, we can feel it because there's a significance to it. But the term glorify also carries a sense of, of understanding brilliance, attractiveness, extreme beauty. Anytime I think about brilliance, my mind goes to the brilliance of a beautiful diamond. It's so beautiful that its, it's beauty can't be described in any other way other than a term like brilliant. But if we're not careful, we can easily miss the brilliance. Back in 2015, there were some workers at a company called J. Burnbatch Incorporated who were helping their boss to move to another floor. And in the process, they tossed out three weathered wooden boxes and they never happened to look in what was in those boxes at all. And what they didn't know is that those boxes were actually filled with diamonds. They threw the boxes out in a heap without ever bothering to look inside. Thankfully for the boss, the security guard at the building just happened to look at the heap of boxes and actually take a peek inside and discovered an expensive cluster of diamonds, one of them being worth $3.2 million. It is so easy for you and I to miss the beauty and the brilliance of Jesus among us. We too often treat Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit casually, even tossing Christ aside in our lives without much thought. But then today we come and we realize the Holy Spirit's just not going to allow that to happen. The power of the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to us the glory, the beauty, the significance of Christ in our world and in our hearts so that we don't miss that significance and brilliance. On our own, we can miss it. We tend to reduce Jesus to a list of moral rules or being a good teacher rather than fall in love with the one of utmost grace and glory. And so it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to come among us and reveal the full glory of the living God. And then once he does that, he makes Jesus beautiful to us and our hearts begin to melt in the presence of Almighty God and transformation in Jesus Christ begins to occur. We need the power of the Holy Spirit intimately, powerfully, desperately in our lives so that we don't just believe in Jesus in some general way, 
but we have the importance and the significance and the weightiness of God impressed in our inner being, changing how we think and how we feel and how we live. So that in this way, the power of the Holy Spirit helps us not only to see Jesus in all of his glory for who he is, but then the Holy Spirit also connects us to Jesus in God the Father to live out God's power among us here and now. To realize just how powerful this is that we're talking about, look again what it says in John chapter 16, verse 14. It says, he, that is the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, that is Jesus, he's the one speaking, because it is from me, that is Jesus, that he, the Holy Spirit, will receive what he, the Holy Spirit, will make known to you, that is the disciples. In other words, if we break this down, what it, what it is saying to us is that the Holy Spirit that glorifies Jesus and the Holy Spirit that receives from Jesus then makes Jesus known to the disciples, that is us. In other words, the Holy Spirit serves as the direct connection between us and Jesus. Therefore, we can conclude that Jesus is in us and through us, through the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. As if we needed even more convincing on how powerful the Holy Spirit is. Look what it says in John chapter 16, verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. All that belongs to God the Father belongs to Jesus. And then the Spirit receives all that belongs to the Father through Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit makes that known to us. And the Holy Spirit resides in us. Please try to let that sink in for just a moment. The power of the one who made the entire universe, the power of the one who holds life over death, the power of the one who defines all joy and all greatness, the power of the one who holds the world in the palm of his hand is through the Holy Spirit who resides in us. Can we even begin to grasp the magnitude of that reality? This is why Jesus can say with great truth in John chapter 14, verse 12, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they'll do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I'm leaving, but you will get the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, you'll do even greater things. This is not hyperbole. It's not a pep talk on the part of Jesus. It's truth. If we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we will do what the disciples of Christ have done throughout the centuries. God will use God's disciples to raise people from the dead, to offer healing, to offer grace and good news to the masses and the multitudes. They will do more than Jesus himself. And so fast forward through the ages and Christians throughout the centuries, Christians who have been filled in the Holy Spirit, they have fed millions. They've offered healing to the masses. They have saved millions from dying. They have stared death in the face without an ounce of fear. How could they do this? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were disciples in Christ who would do even greater things than Christ himself. Jesus healed people. Jesus did miracles. Again, he even raised people back to life. And he says, my disciples will do even more than this. 
So if we're disciples of the living God of Jesus, then why can't we do these things on a regular basis? And I think the reason is because we have so often lost touch with the power of the Holy Spirit. So I ask again, what would a full expression of the power of the Holy Spirit look like manifested among us? And again, I don't want to take us down any rabbit trail today. I don't, I don't want to get into a debate about why when we pray to some get healed and others do not. Uh, and I also don't want to get into the, the, the shininess of pursuing miracles. We all get excited about pursuing miracles. And again, those are conversations for another time. But I think the real issue here at hand is this issue about the people of God living as the people of God in the power of the Holy Spirit and recognizing living as church the way God intended in that power. I think this is such a relevant word for us today because I think the healings that we currently need in our world are so significant. We need healings well beyond broken bones. We need healings well beyond the miracle of winning the lottery so that, you know, I will be okay. We need healing in a world where millions go hungry every day despite there being a surplus of food available to all. We need healing in a world where babies are treated more as conveniences for our pleasure rather than valued for the sacred life that they are. We need healing in a world where the color of one's skin determines acceptance or not. We need healing in a world where the gap between the rich and the poor only continues to grow. We need healing in a world where we think we get to control the world and we get to define our own identity with every whim and desire that we have. We need healing in a world where now increasingly a piece of cloth determines our level of commitment in discipleship and ecclesiology in the church rather than devotion to Jesus Christ. And we need healing in a world where loyalty to a political party is often greater than our loyalty to Jesus Christ. The only healing power in the universe that I am aware of to address such challenges is in the power of the Holy Spirit and God gives it abundantly to his church. Now, I will confess to you today, church, it's hard for me to always remember this. It is hard for me to live into this power. When the challenges we face are so great, it's easy to forget. No matter what sector of life people find themselves in right now, there's a feeling of confusion and uneasiness and uncertainty. When we look around and see so much division and craziness, it's hard to remember about the power of the Holy Spirit. What do we do when it seems no right decision can be made and any decision we make, there's gonna be others who disagree with it. And what do we do when our anxiety is so high? And I think for the vast majority of us, our response is to crank up our own efforts or crank up our own voice or for us to yell louder and be heard above the fray of the crowd. I know that that tends to be my tendency. I just want to try harder and harder and harder and, and hopefully things will fall into place. But here's the thing, no amount of human effort will ever truly change a human heart. Every human heart has a condition, including mine, and it's called sin. Have you ever noticed how we humans have an infinite ability to do the worst things and then rationalize them for our own benefit and call ourselves good people. 
It's what allows things like holocausts and, and genocides and affairs and thefts to occur. For example, our thinking might go like this, yes, I work for the mafia, but I'm good to my mom and I built her a nice house. Or, well, I might steal and cheat and take money from my boss or from certain people, but they don't deserve it anyhow. And besides, I give to charity and they weren't paying me enough anyhow. And so I'm just taking a little more for what my true value is worth. Or how about this? I, might be having an affair, but my spouse doesn't love me or appreciate me anyhow, and so this person really does love me, and so it's okay. Or how about this? My politics are about right causes, and so that gives me the right to degrade anyone else who sees things differently than I do in any way that I want. We have an infinite capacity to do this. So how do we cut through it all? And the answer is, I don't. The answer is, you don't. Because it's not supposed to be in our power. We are supposed to turn to Holy Spirit power. We are not alone. So let's quit acting like we are. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. It is one of my favorite verses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. And we might add in America and in Pennsylvania and to Williamsport and beyond. Church, the Holy Spirit is still moving among us. This Holy Spirit still offers God's divine power within us. The world needs the healing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit still does the miraculous, still offers healing, even cutting through divisions and barriers that we put up between ourselves. The Holy Spirit still cuts to the heart so that the love and the grace of Jesus Christ may be declared and abound among us. The Holy Spirit still offers resurrection power. And we get to experience it. We get to live it. So again, I ask, what would a full expression of the power of the Holy Spirit look like in our lives? I would offer this thought. We experience the power of the Holy Spirit when we see healing through the corporate body of the church and as individual disciples. Specifically for us as the corporate body of the church, I believe it means that we are a church that actively embraces the experience of worship, the connection of discipleship, and the healing of community engagement in our world, that is a church living into Holy Spirit power. When we worship, we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. When we engage in discipleship, we connect with others and God in love and in grace. And when we live into community engagement, we share that love and that healing in our world. And it is profound. Is there any greater hope to be found than the power of the Holy Spirit who can mobilize God's church to feed worldwide millions of people and offer care and remember the most vulnerable and the most forgotten among us? And especially for those who don't know or haven't experienced such love, we First Church get to be a part of this. We get to experience and live into the healing power of God's Holy Spirit. And so I invite us this day to embrace that and to experience that and let our perception of the Holy Spirit change so that we too know that God, you are filling us again with your resurrection power and we're gonna share it in the world in which we live. We do this as a church, but we also do it as individuals. How can we live into the power of the Holy Spirit as individuals? Super quick, 
We invite the Holy Spirit in. We then look at that Holy Spirit within us. We believe in the Holy Spirit that we now see, and then we act in that power. Invite the Holy Spirit in, look upon it, because we see it and feel it and experience it, we believe in it, and then we act in the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you do that today, church? Will you invite that Holy Spirit in, look upon it, believe in it, and then act in the power of the Holy Spirit? There's so many examples that we could give of what it means to live into Holy Spirit power, but let me offer this one today, hopefully to demonstrate some of what we're talking about. Some of you have probably heard of the name Joni Erickson Tata. In 1967, a diving accident left then 17-year-old Joni a quadriplegic. Lying in a hospital bed, she was filled with an overwhelming sense to end her life. And the thought of spending her life, years after year after year, paralyzed from the neck down, was almost more than she could bear. She almost wanted to end her life. But instead of ending her life that day, she chose instead to surrender it to God. Little did she know how the Holy Spirit in power would transform her into one of the godliest women and human beings to ever grace the earth. God gave her a sense of humility and love that allowed her to look beyond her own pain to the hurts that others were going through. While undergoing two years of rehabilitation after the accident, she spent many hours learning to paint with a paintbrush held between her teeth. Her detailed paintings and prints are now highly sought after. Her international best-selling autobiography, Joni, was later made into a full-length feature film. She founded Joni and Friends in 1979 to increase Christian community to the disabled community throughout the world to impact thousands of families around the globe. Over the course of each week, more than 1 million people listened to her daily five-minute program. She started an organization called Wheels for the World to provide wheelchairs for those in need, especially those in developing nations, and over 50,000 individuals have received that support and those wheelchairs. In 2005, she was appointed to the Disability Advisory Committee for the United States Department with folks like Dr. Condoleezza Rice. She's appeared on TV with individuals like Larry King and her Christian testimony along with her biblical perspective has been shared with the masses. And oh yeah, she's written over 35 books. And yet none of those things really highlight the Holy Spirit power within her. It's when you're with her for not even 10 minutes that the spirit of joy erupts from her and she either breaks out in song or scripture or a timely word of encouragement. The fruit of the Holy Spirit fills out of her as that power exudes from her. Why? Because she is a person at every single level who is living in humility, in Holy Spirit power. And through that power, as she is being healed, she is offering healing to the world. May our hearts be so captured like Tony's by this Holy Spirit power that we too will do even greater works in Judea and Samaria and Williamsport to the very ends of the earth.